Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? We are back on our Monday Night Grind for episode 98, presented by CosmicDiscGolf.com. Or Cosmic Disc Golf, you can check them out at CosmicDG.com. Uh, so super thankful for them to help supporting the show. Evan, what's going on? We got you and Ben actually in studio right now. Yep. So Ben, if, yep, there you we are. We are still Yo. matless on the Nick and mm-hmm. Matt show, but we got still Ben matless. and myself in studio rocking it. Well, if you guys give me, let's say $500 a piece, I'll allow the show name to be the Nick, the Ben and the Evan show. That sounds like I, a good deal. I'm only doing it if my name's before Ben's. Okay, fine. Nick, the Nick, Evan, the ben? Evan. Then yeah. you gotta give me five hundred dollars. Okay, deal, deal. Better. Okay, there but, you go. Hey, we are back on a Monday night. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. We've been on the Wednesdays the last couple of weeks just due to scheduling. But hey, we're back to the usual schedule on Monday night, seven p.m. Feels good. Yep. And we should have Matt back next week, which I think will kind of reinvigorate the show a little bit and just kind of bring that, you know. Where's Matt Ben? Matt actually jumped on the show last week. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, Matt jumped on last week live in Peoria, Illinois. He was there for the Junior World Championships and also the Masters World Championships. And uh, we got to do some cool, like, on site interviews with a couple of the pros that were out there, which was super, I think, really fun. We kind of like dropped him off the screen, then he'd find someone, give us a thumbs up, and then bam, we got another person to just jump on a quick little five minute interview. So that's pretty sweet. Um, he also might have been a jinx to one of the players that he said, don't worry, she's going to win it. <laughs> We won't get too too much into that, but uh, we think he might have been just a little bit of a jinx in that. It, Usually, the Nick and Matt show is pretty good about getting people sponsors and winning tournaments afterwards, and this one it did not work out that way. And I'll leave this teaser, which I don't think is a teaser if you're a follow, follower of this show. But Matt didn't jinx someone else uh, that was out at uh, mm-hmm. Junior slash Masters Worlds, but we'll get into all that mm-hmm. later. Exactly. So pretty pretty low key show tonight, folks. I mean, we're pretty much just going to be talking about disc golf tonight. We're going to be hanging out uh we actually don't have a guest currently lined up a couple of the guests that we did originally actually fell through or couldn't do it till later this week so we might try to get some interviews going on later this week and just have some more stuff i guess kind of prepared for next week uh one of those being own scoggins uh she was busy tonight and so but we're hoping throughout this week we will be able to jump on an interview with her she's someone who obviously has been dominating disc golf this year um she's been playing incredible and went and smacked all the other fp40 players around over at worlds and so we definitely want to finally have an interview with her. I feel like it's been something we've been talking about actually since Waco, I feel like. And potentially we'll be able to get that pre-recorded kind of thing uh, going on later this week. But we're going to talk about, let's see, Sula Open. That was a wicked cool event that just happened. And they probably have one of the sickest trophies. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about European Open, obviously, because that is just, it's a major that's coming up. It's something that has such a really like a cool spectacular feel to it i know ford is one of the presenting sponsors and so it's really cool to see one of the big big time leading industry manufacturers whatever you want to call them just kind of finally diving into our sport maybe full tilt at this point uh we're going to be talking about the junior worlds the masters worlds we're going to be talking about a little bit of the river city open it was a big eight tier that just happened where a lot of notable pros who aren't overseas currently uh actually competed at and so just pretty much a fun night of disc golf. And we're also going to be looking for the chat to kind of be involved with it. If you guys got any questions, concerns, anything like that, we'll talk about it. So I guess one of the biggest things that we do need to do though, is thank those that have been helping out the show for a very long time. Now, 
actually technically probably over a year at this point, but uh, Hempfield Botanicals, this incredible CBD company that has been supporting the show, like I said, supporting players on the tour, uh, supporting the Pro Tour in and of itself. They were the presenting, I think, CBD sponsor for them last year, the year before. Um, they've been super, super awesome. If you use the code Nick and Matt on their website, you'll get 20% off your order, which 20% off anywhere, I think is an incredible, incredible deal. Uh, so being able to use that for some awesome CBD products is incredible. Uh, we say this every single week, but the salve is one of the greatest ones that is out there so far. It really helps out just healing up the body when it's feeling a little sore. I know, Evan, you uh, had a little story before the show that you got stung by a couple bees this past weekend. So maybe some CBD will actually help that out. Maybe decrease the swelling. I'm not sure. I'm not a doctor for it. But at the same time, I know it smells good and it makes your body feel incredible. So go check them out. Hempfieldbotanicals.com. Use code Nick and Matt for 20% off your order. So, Evan, I'm going to throw this right over to you right now because I think you're the stat man. And we want to know, big event just happened, the Sula Open. Who took it down? What kind of fashion did they take it down in? And we can talk about the course a little bit. Yeah, I want a quick shout out, Ben. You're doing awesome. <laughs> ben, intern producer here with Matt gone. He's trying his best with the bottom banners. So if you guys are watching live, drop Ben a nice little chat. Yeah. Say, hey, Ben, you're doing great. You'll figure it it's out. It's on a timer. I, and there's really nothing I can oh, do. Oh, Ben. All right. Okay, but let's get into oh, the good. PCS Sula Open. This was an interesting event just in uh, kind of tour scheduling. Uh, it's the first European Disc Golf Pro Tour event. It's a silver series. It counts for Disc Golf Pro Tour points. Um, and it was also a PDGA Euro Tour. Um, a cool little kind of merger of the two. We saw the merging of the PDGA National Tour in the U.S. with the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Now we're seeing kind of just a combo, uh, two tours at once. I'm sure the Euro Tour has got their own points. And so uh, this combined with that, we saw a lot of Americans over in the field. And I'll get right to the winner being Greg Barsby, the Barsbarian that people call him. And just we'll talk about the trophy a little bit later, but you got to mention he got a giant axe and a shield as the trophy and he's just like yelling and screaming like greg barsby does all excited about his playoff victory uh and barbarian winning like a nordic like viking style trophy like how can you not love that but he takes it in a playoff over Jakob semerad which hey guys i think that might have been my best european pronouncing uh <laughs> to this point um he he took the lead uh, kind of midway through and was doing great holding it on. He's out of the Czech Republic. Uh, that's I think that's one of the first times I heard of him. Uh, so incredible first showing of Jakob. Um, we saw James Conrad also uh, take the early lead uh, after round one. Notably, he didn't know what the course like layout was. He was just playing it blind. Uh, super incredible. I mean, a lot of the Americans coming over didn't have a lot of time between the Idlewild, uh, LWS Idlewild. LWS open at night. I'll get it one day. Um, and notably played it blind, still got the hot round, uh, early lead Eric Oakley as well. Um, he, uh, led after the second round. I don't have my, uh, notes on round by round. He had, uh, unfortunately finished 16th, but I like this quote. Uh, he uh, kind of paraphrasing it here too. He, it, he was saying it was hard to, uh, 
kind of get worked up about you around when the scenic views were that beautiful at the two courses there. Uh, it was in Norway. First of all, we said it was in Europe, but not specifically. It's Norway. It's kind of right on a river slash ocean kind of fjord style where there's like kind of tall, steep peaks all around. Uh, super beautiful and so many cool shots, uh, kind of some peninsula holes that were really cool. Um, and to go further down the leaderboard, we saw a, a kind of newer name, but also an American Chandler Kramer finished tied for fifth. Uh, this guy, Nick, do you know of Chandler Kramer? Yeah, we actually played a round together at Waco the first round. Very solid player and has just a very, he's a very dominant forehand player. So 99% of the time, I actually don't remember that round if I really saw him throw any backgrounds or excuse me, backhands over at Waco, um, especially not off the tee. I can't think of it, but yeah, definitely a very solid player um, with a big, big forehand. Yeah, he was throwing a lot of forehands out there. I was curious if that was always his game or if it was just kind of the course that was suited to him. Um, but yeah, he was very like uh, just he kind of looked just like loose out there. You know, he's kind of wearing sweatpants, just T-shirt, you know, kind of the opposite of Nick when he's on the course where he's wearing like slacks and a tucked in polo. Uh, but to each their own, of course, he played phenomenal yep. getting that top five finish. Uh, we saw Calvin Heinberg and Kevin Jones get top five finishes. Uh, Calvin Heinberg, I'll kind of be honest, he wasn't really uh, uh, making his name out there. He's kind of slow start. We saw him on DGN a few times, but not really a ton of coverage, but still gets the top five finish. Um, mm -hmm. And then also notably, we saw Thomas Gilbert finish out uh, tied for 10th. Uh, he's been out in Europe for probably well over a month now um, playing events out there. He took one down, but uh, finishes 10th uh, over here. Uh, on the FPO side, we saw Anakin Steen take it down. She's the Norwegian player. Um, she barely took it home over a charging Rachel Turton uh, out of the UK. Uh, this is only a six person uh, field of women. Unfortunately, didn't see Kristen Tatar. She's battling injury and still maybe getting over COVID. Evelyn, there, there was 11. There was 11 out there. There were 11 on the women? FPO side. Yep. Ooh. At least that's what I'm saying on PDGA. Oh, was there a cut? Oh, my bad. Yes. Okay, I knew it was a smaller field. I was just looking at round four after the cut. <laughs> my bad there. So <laughs> only six made the cut. That still tells you it was a little bit of a slim field. But uh, unfortunately, no Evelina Salonen or uh, Hannah Blomers as well. Um, but I think a lot of people got to see two names that have been playing super well. Maybe not on the top level for the women, but still very, very good and can compete in any tournament, I believe, in uh, Anakin Steen and Rachel Turton. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also got a very cool trophy, I will say as well. They had a sword uh, and the shield, not quite the battle axe, but still like a super cool sword. And uh, I think yeah. the jokes were around. Luckily, Anakin Steen lives in Norway, so she can just, you know, drive it home. But like, how, how's Greg Barsby going to get that yeah. through TSA? But what a phenomenal trophy that was. Super cool to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the awesome things, like you're talking about earlier, just how hyped up Barsby was after this event and just kind of like, that final putt just goes straight to the ground, just absolutely pumped up, one in a playoff fashion. Um, I mean, insane stuff. I think what was pretty notable about the event, there was actually a couple of things that were notable about the event. The scenic views, the really, really cool courses that they were playing, um, a lot of incredible players. I don't want to butcher his last name, but Christopher Hivju. Hivja. Oh, sorry, my bad. Um, he is notably known for playing Tormund Giant Spain in Game of Thrones, also was in the second season of The Witcher. Uh, really cool to see. He's an Innova-sponsored 
uh, celebrity player. Uh, really cool to see him just kind of posting a lot. You can see him all over coverage. I know the Pro Tour cameras, I think whenever he was in the area, they were kind of shining on him. A couple like, what was his first shot, last shot, almost throwing in some discs. Really cool to just see another kind of celebrity really falling in love with the game, getting out and really promoting it too. I know this is something that, you know, has been on his mind for a while. I think since he got into the sport, it was just kind of the PCS Hula Open and just how big an event it actually finally became. Um, a couple of other notable things about the event, and I didn't see too many of them. I haven't watched all the post-round production to it yet, and I didn't get to watch too, too much of the live of it. been a super busy week, but I heard a lot of spit-outs, and I feel like that's something we're talking a little bit too much about lately is how many spit-outs are going around these tournaments. But um, like I said, I haven't watched all the coverage yet, so I don't, I don't have a tracker of how many spit-outs that could have been. I think Eric Oakley was someone. Someone had said he had like two dead center spit-outs that kind of punched back at him yeah in a sense well, yeah i'll get into a little bit uh yeah eric oakley he was leading the tournament at oh man i want to say it was after round two into round three sorry i don't i don't have that part right in front he of was me, leading though he was leading all he, that matters yeah he was featured uh on coverage like his, pretty much his whole round and you know eric is a guy who just like tries to deal with his frustrations the best he can and sometimes when things just aren't going his way like spit outs you can just like see that like you know he's not you know, making a big scene, but you can just notice he is frustrated and, and I don't blame him. There were a few that he just putting really hard and dead center. And these baskets were just mm -hmm. not loving it and kind of just spitting it straight back. But I think the most notable one was Greg Barsby on hole 17 in the final round. He is chasing down Jakob Simrad. Uh, and he's about like 120 feet out kind of like, uh, lines up like a soft little spin, like approach kind of putt cashes it dead center and it just barely spits out grabs the uh, edge of the rim and then falls out uh still parked and he just dumps in the uh uh kind of i think it was his par putt i think that was going for birdie um and that was like a crazy moment because i believe that would have tied him up going into 18 now he's mm -hmm. a stroke back but on 18 he gets that stroke back from Jakob. he parks it on hole 18 it's an elevated basket on a tractor which we'll get to uh and Jakob just unfortunately goes out of bounds on his uh, that would be a second shot so he makes the putt to get par barsby gets the birdie they go to playoff and replay 18 Tough. exactly i think i think you had kind of brought up one of the last things we were going to talk about but a tractor a tractor on hole 18 a tractor listen <laughs> let me let me just let me just say that again really quick for anyone who didn't hear me but a tractor was planted on hole 18 uh the basket being right in the middle of it i'd assume almost like through the seat of the tractor yep, through the seat on that and, one, uh, yep. i think we, we were kind of discussing this a little pre-podcast and uh I don't want to knock the idea in the sense of in a local environment. I think it's pretty cool. I've been to places where they've had baskets on rock walls. They've had baskets inside of trees. They've had baskets all over the place, you know, on little islands in between a Creek, anything around it is OB. Like I've played numerous areas that have kind of wild greens. And when I'm in a casual round, I think it's fun. I think it speaks to the course. I mean, every single course I think has its own little, nostalgic feel to it um one of them being recently meadowbrook orchards out in massachusetts uh great course out there um a course that evan talks about a lot uh dave has been a great help to us it's where we ran the nick and macho event he recently put a tractor on hole 18 which like i said in the casual setting and you know more low-key courses like that i think it's pretty cool but i don't know if you could sell me 
on putting a tractor on hole 18 at a pro tour tournament i'm just kind of i'm kind of you know leaning against the way of like i don't think it's a great look i'll say this so when the tractor was first put in at meadowbrook i told evan like yeah it's a really cool idea you know it has to do with the vibes of the of the whole meadowbrook it's a farm for cows around i think i think it looked beautiful and it's kind of like a it adds to the charm of the whole place but the words that came out of my mouth after that was there is no way that would fly on a pro tour. <laughs> exact yeah. words. And then what? Like three weeks later, PC, I'm like, what? I was shocked. Literally like through uh. the through the p- tractor, like how it is at Meadowbrook. And I think the biggest debate is, and this is kind of, this is speculation. So it's not, but on the playoff hole, Barsby hit the tractor with his disc. I'm not saying he was going to skip out of bounds or was like going to be a crazy thing. He probably still could have been parked. Um, but just for it to hit the tractor to kind of end a silver series playoff after he, after the other guy went out of bounds where he potentially could have went out of bounds, maybe rolled away, but no, he got mm-hmm. stopped by a tractor. I know we, we can definitely, we can talk about the what ifs that happened. I mean, he actually did take an un, slightly unfortunate role off of the tractor. I think it okay. kind of left him with a 20, 25 footer yeah, putting back at it, back, yeah. um, which, you know, isn't the longest putt in the world. Definitely adds a little bit of pressure, especially when you're at a silver series event, you're in a playoff. This is a putt to win the event. You miss this putt. Um, Jacob actually hit an insane putt after he threw his second shot out of bounds. He hit the comeback putt. So he took a four on it, got his par. And then um, Barsby needed that putt to win it, obviously. So what if the tractor wasn't there? Could the disc have gone out of bounds? Maybe. Do I know if it had enough steam to go out of bounds? I'm not sure. But at the same time, he still hit an incredible putt, slightly elevated, definitely a pressure-filled putt at that point. um, But I I think if we're trying to attract the outside sponsors, and I'll, I'll just give this example in the sense of like Ford is finally getting into the sport over at the European Open. It's something huge. I think actually a couple of players recently out in that, you know, across the pond have had small sponsorships with the Ford companies out there. I'm not exactly sure what all that entailed, but at the same time, I don't think UC or whoever is designing the European Open course, the bees, I don't think they're going to throw a tractor down on hole 18. Now they have hay bales on hole 18 to elevate the basket which I do think adds a lot, especially it's a really, really tough hole. I think the upshot in it is super critical. We've seen some incredible putts for the win on that hole. Um, and especially when it's slightly elevated, it just it really does just make it that much tougher. But for the most part, I think if we're trying to almost attract outside sponsors, I don't think putting tractors on the course is the way to do it. Um, right. and, and I'm saying that in the professional scene of things. We got Kearns. Well, let Kearns me, let me flip update. it around a little bit. One, I'm I'm gonna get to Meadowbrook too. We uh, love Meadowbrook first and, and foremost. Yeah, and we're I not knocking we're, Meadowbrook. We're all gonna agree on this. Yeah. It has a lot of iconic holes, and then you come up to 18, and it's like kind of a long par four shot. You come down the hill, and you just see the tractor there with beautiful wood chips all around it and i'm a huge fan uh, it's a really iconic hole to finish up on an on a farm it's on an uh, apple orchard and they have some other um uh grown fruits of some sort i don't know how to best it's a farm apples uh, it's it's got apples but they also have corn and they have like strawberries yeah, and blueberries farm. and things like that it's a beautiful farm too. um this course that we also saw at sula which there was two courses uh first of all this was the third and fourth round on a farm so it's also a farm. Uh, there are a lot of fields that uh, used to be fields and they turn into a course or fields nearby. Um, 
And so it has the same exact feel. And this is a course that's kind of getting, it's the best course in Norway as I've heard. And I'm sure it's just getting a lot of traction of new players in Norway to play this course. So thinking outside the pro tour, which I know you guys weren't necessarily thinking this way anyways, but Mm -hmm. courses like that get a lot of new players in and and it kind of has a premier like pay to play course for Norway, which does trail behind the other Scandinavian countries. Uh, Finland being the most popular. Sweden's also very popular. You get to Norway and you have a lot less players and kind of top players. So that's awesome to see, but getting into the pro tour side of it is yeah, it's part of the course, and I can like I I'm not 100% sold on it. I'm also not 100% against it. I it's part of the course, so it's different than the examples I'm going to use. But you go to um, baseball games, and they often have a truck or car sponsor in the outfield, which is like hit this truck and you win it um, from any of the players. And you have like minor league players who are like, yeah, I'd love a new car. And so you mm-hmm. see that out in center field. Of course, that's not part of the play. It's not in center field, but it is a part of it. Um, and then you go to other like baseball teams that have really unique characteristics. I mean, you look at Fenway Park, it's got a giant 37 foot wall in left field and some yeah. people love it. Some people hate it. Uh, it's just a ginormous wall. It's not a tractor, but it's a ginormous wall. You go to other fields. I mean, the Houston Astros, uh, they used to have it. They got rid of it, but they used to have a hill out in center field, which had flagpoles. Um, like I think it was just one flagpole, but in center field and it was like in part of the play. And people love that when yeah, they got rid of it. That's a good point. Fans hated that's that. That's a good point, Kurt. Um, and so it's not like a standardized basketball court. Um, baseball kind of has a lot more uniqueness to it, and that's what people love about it. And speaking of basketball courts, there was a it was an exhibition, uh, but an exhibition college basketball game on an aircraft carrier. Like, how cool is that? Um, there's mm-hmm. also a summer basketball tournament called TBT, which is really cool. A kind of winner take all tournament. And they're playing at Rucker Park right now in New York City. And they're playing outdoors venue. They had to have a rain delay for basketball. Like it's that's the uniqueness you see, which gets people attracted to it, which is really cool. So having mm-hmm. a tractor as the green has that really unique part of it that a lot of people can draw uh, kind of attention to. And disc golf, like it, yeah, we're trying to get more professional. We kind of still have this goofy nature. The pro tour is very professional, professional, but still like we're throwing discs outside. Like I see it. I don't hate it. I'm kind of indifferent, but people obviously love it. So I'm still cool with it. Yeah. I think uh, one of the funniest comments I actually just read was uh, Adam in our chat right now. And I was just kind of saying outside sponsors wouldn't want, you know, these kind of things. And then he said, John Deere would beg yeah. to differ. <laughs> I didn't I, even get there. You're I, talking about I Ford actually, yeah. sponsoring the European uh, yeah. o- Open. What if the European Open was like, hey, we're going to we're going to bring an F-150 out. And it's not going to be on the basket necessarily, because I, mm-hmm. I don't think that would look for the best for them because it just get dented. But like, what if they put it like in the middle of the green? Uh, not or sorry, fairway, not the green. Um, so you're thrown over an F-150. I mean, look at the slam dunk cost contest in basketball. One of the most iconic talked about dunks is when Blake Griffin dunked over a Kia car. Um, yeah. like obviously, that's a dunk contest. But the yeah, Kia say, car, those are, those, are, those are shows. The Kia which, car wasn't yeah. implanted into the hoop. Let's say, let's say, okay, now, <laughs> now let's still, say, people yeah. like let's that, and it got a yeah. lot of media attention. And add yeah, money. exactly. Now, now let's say we did a celebrity program to where it's a massive event. Okay, let's say over at Funky Farms they do the celebrity program, and then Ford wants to sponsor and they put an F one fifty in the fairway. That's more of a show tournament, you know. I agree. Your li- your livelihood isn't at stake on it. You know, it's it'd be that that would be something like an all star event to where 
you know, when the Disc Golf Pro Tour runs next year's All-Star event, like that is something to where, okay, I could totally see that. I could see tractors all over the place. I could see, you know, obstacles to get around if outside sponsors wanted to bring those in. But I, I'm I'm throwing this back towards more the professional side of things. When you have stuff like that, it it doesn't in any other sport, it doesn't interfere in, interfere with the regular season games or tournaments or anything like that. You know, like in golf, they do these hole in one challenges on these iconic greens and stuff like that. But they either do that before the tournament or after the tournament. To where it's like it's not messing with the people's i would say livelihood in a sense of like now they're out there competing and i the only reason i'm equating it to golf is because we are very very similar a lot of ways in golf i think our sport has a lot to offer outside of what golf offers but then i also think that a lot of our professionalism should drive to be more towards in the golf standards and reason being i think golf is doing it right somehow they're you know their winners are getting 2.5 million dollars and i get it golf has been around for hundreds of years don't get me wrong i know Disc golf is still relatively new in the area, um, especially with how much it's been exploding lately. But at the same time, I think there are a lot of things to take away with it. And I think those kind of events, you know, all-star events, celebrity programs and stuff like that to showcase those kind of things. I mean, let's say at Tallahassee Open, if you ace hole one, you got a $25,000 gift card to this UTV place, like an outdoor uh, UTVs, four-wheelers, dirt bikes, stuff like that. You would get a gift card or you would get the UTV that they were offering up for it. Now, that's a little different because you're trying to ace a hole, but there's nothing in the way of it. You know, there's nothing obstructing it. It's just, hey, if you do this in the final round, go for it. It's yours, which I get that. You, I think tournaments could have that. Don't get me wrong. Um, but at the same time, I think gimmicky things could, I don't know, be detrimental in some ways of trying to attract those outside sponsors. And I'm speaking on it from the, you know, looking into the professional side of thing. Like I said earlier, though, at your home course, at your local course, the nostalgic feel of it. Meadowbrook is on an apple orchard farm. I think there's a really, really cool um, just value into having that tractor on hole 18. That's a hole where most people are throwing their upshot towards the basket. It's not a super long par four, but it's long enough to where it's like you throw a bomb of a drive. Most people, you know, who are throwing over 350 feet are having a putter or a mid-range upshot to the basket. Um, to where it's not super gimmicky, like I said. Um, but at the same time, looking at it at the professional standpoint, I think it is something that maybe isn't super necessary. Maybe it's something that takes off, though. And if I have to eat my words in two years and every single course has tractors around <laughs> the baskets, then I'll eat my words to it if it's bringing in outside sponsors. I got yeah. no issue with that. My, so. only, my only thing, I think it looks cool. The tractors look amazing cool, or at least on the Pro Tour. But my only thing is if it's hitting like the tire of a tractor completely away from the basket and letting the disc sit, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's disc golf. I don't think you're you're supposed to aim for the bucket, not a tire tra- a tractor of a tire uh a tire of a tractor to park. You know what I'm saying? So um that's all that's all I'm saying is yeah. like it, it is someone's shot could literally be going out of bounds, like nothing's gonna stop it, but then a tractor's there. And then we parks it. We also play in the woods and trees do that all the time, but I'll, I'll let you have that. <laughs> I, my, my closing topic. Last thing I'll say, I've been pro tractor. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's pretty funny right there. Uh, I've been pro tractor, uh, but I will absolutely hundred percent take a tractor with an elevated basket. That's pretty normal elevated standards over what we saw at Texas States with the giant kind of gravel cake at the thorn and yeah. what we see at Eagles Crossing with the giant overdone wedding cake. I'm not a huge I'm not fan, a fan of those either. Of those that are just 
too high and end up being like a 30 yeah. foot tall putt like, no one practices those putts you have to like but that that we don't like, need to get into that topic. Uh, i just wanted to quickly uh, say i'd rather have the we love tractors over yeah. that. only i like tractors apparently yeah. <laughs> all right but i i think it's a good time to move on how about that yeah, yeah we'll exactly. move on. i think i think there's plenty of things to talk about in the disc golf world we, and we, i guess kind of tractors for a long time i guess kind of uh yeah kind of jumping into the next uh topic and this will be more of a brief one but uh we had some world championships going on last weekend uh matt his son was uh, two of his sons were actually competing at the event one was in the i think 12 and under division and then one was in the eight and under division um but some notables from that ilkin Graw, i think that's how you pronounce his last name he ended up winning junior 18 and under division he uh notably won the u.s amateur disc golf championships out at the toboggan course congrats to him he got first place won by eight strokes um, just had a pretty dominating semifinals round and then a very, you know, I would say pretty good finals. Uh, I think they did a final nine uh, on the junior girl side of that. Victoria Ariacho Paul had won it and she won by 14 strokes, which is incredible. I think just winning by that much at any tournament is an incredible feat. Uh, but one of the huge ones that we did want to briefly touch on really quick is uh our homeboy, Matt Graham, fellow co-host of the show, his son, Tanner Graham, won the eight and under division at the world championships. So I think that was Tanner pretty Graham awesome. Won yeah, a world I championship. Mean, He's a world champion. Yeah. We know that guy. Just like that. This is literally his, I, I mean, what? Second legitimate tournament ever. Yeah, I'm it's a sure. second that, tournament. That's wild. Obviously, like eight and under, yeah. you're gonna get a lot of a lot of kids. Like they're probably not playing a ton of tournaments, but they, I'm sure, mm -hmm. other players in his field had um, experience in it. But I think Matt shared with us uh, when he had us on the interview um, last week is Tanner won the skills competition. Was it called? Where it was kind of long drive mixing with skill shots. He won that first field, and I was like stoked. That's awesome. That's really cool yeah. to win that. Then to win a world championship, like that's something you'll hold the rest of your life. It doesn't matter if it's age protected, either you know masters or juniors. It doesn't matter if it's amateur or pro. Winning a world championship is an incredible uh, achievement. Uh, we talk about you know our touring uh, pro players and their amateur achievements and junior achievements all the time. That's so cool. Uh, shout out to Tanner. I played around with them. That kid can throw as far as I can, and he can throw straighter than I can. He is incredible. Uh, he's also a world champion, and I am not. Yeah, and he got the long drive contest, the skill shot contest. He was second place in the mini contest and the putting contest, and then he won the world championship for his age division. So pretty stellar weekend for him. Uh, Hunter Graham placed, I think it was middle of the pack to the top quarter of the pack in his division. Um, so obviously, shout out to him. I think as kids are getting older in the sport and then kids are also starting at a younger age, that competition is just getting harder and harder every single year for kids around that age. And so even just competing, placing well at those young events right now, I think it's still an awesome feat. Um, definitely. I wouldn't be surprised if in the next year or two, I mean, we're saying we're having the same exact conversation about Hunter Graham going into it. I mean, he's someone who is just obsessed with disc golf. And I think, seeing everything going around i think that's just going to want him to excuse me motivate him to play better and better um so i think that's pretty much it for the junior worlds topic i don't think there's too too much more that we can really harp on with that but a more kind of notable 
tournament. I think this caught plenty of eyes all over the place. It was also the Masters Disc Golf World Championships. And that, I'm just going to kind of scroll down the list and kind of congratulate the winners to it, especially not every single division, but Joe Rivera. Um, he... First time I ever met Joe Rivera, actually, I watched him play at Maple Hill years and years ago. He's on final round coverage. I forget exactly what year it is. It might have been 16 or 17, maybe even 14 or 15. But um, solid player out of Colorado. Uh, he ended up winning by one stroke over Martin Hendel in the Pro Masters 40 division. Uh, three strokes over Michael Johansson. Other notable names that were at that were Stephen Rico, Dave Felberg, Steve Brinster, uh, Matt Blakely. Let's see. KJ Naibo was actually at that event. If you're newer to the sport, you might not exactly know who KJ Naibo is, but one of the greatest players across the pond, I think, out of Denmark. If you're He's ever like 14 curious or 15. why we yep. call Kevin Jones KJ USA, it's because of KJ Naibo, uh, which, yeah. honestly, I kind of want to call Kevin Jones KJ, but uh, yeah, uh, KJ nope. is the OG. KJ Naibo is the OG got that KG. Exactly. OG KG. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Those are some big names just playing in the MP40 division. Uh, going down into the Pro Masters women division, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but Owen Scoggins taking it down and kind of putting a beat down on the rest of the field. I mean, I think almost every single one of her rounds was hot, if not very close to being the hot round. Um, she did have a 1,001 rated first round, a 1016 rated third round, um, and then a 991 rated semifinals. Pretty incredible, winning by 14 strokes over Jennifer Allen. Uh, Holly Finley was actually up in the mix for a little while. She ended up getting fourth place. Sarah Hocum was there. Juliana Corver was there. Uh, Juliana Corver, if you're not following her on Facebook, she had kind of posted, she does the kind of JK tour blogs every single day and just talking about her life in the disc golf world. Um, she's in a relationship with one of the guys, Jim Oates, who earlier this year had a heart attack. Um, I think somewhat similar to what Johnny McRae was also going through at the time. And so I know he was kind of having a flare up in some medical issues. And so she had said in her posts, just her mindset wasn't a hundred percent there, but still squeaking away. A sixth place finish was pretty awesome for her. And then jumping over into the pro masters 50 side of things, our boy, Johnny McRae, we've talked about him a lot on the show. Um, we actually do have a message out to him. We would love to have him on the show eventually. Um, but Johnny McRae winning the pro masters 50 division by two strokes over Ron Converse and Barry Schultz. And in their division, it really did come down to the finals. Uh, Barry Schultz actually did have a one-stroke lead going into the finals. John McRae ended up beating him by three strokes that round to take first place by two. Um, but Barry Schultz, I think kind of, like, I was ready to call it a lock at that point. I thought Barry Schultz was just playing incredible, and Barry Schultz is such an OG great player in the sport that I was like, ah, there's no way that he loses this. And then John McRae just... Ended up coming back and winning it, which was pretty awesome and incredible round ratings. I mean, 1042, 1008, 1028, 1000, 1029. I mean, just playing well all over the place and also taking home a pretty decent paycheck at $3,500. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty awesome. Uh, Nick, hey, let's let's cover yeah. FP50 just real quick, but we do have a special mm -hmm. guest in our green room sitting yep. right now. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll go FP50. Des rating. Uh, was in the lead when Matt interviewed her. Unfortunately, does not hold on to it. And we saw Nova Polite, the MVP sponsored player, taking it down. I believe back to back winner at FP50 um, at Masters Worlds. Uh, so congratulations to Nova. But Nick, if you're all good, I'd like to bring in our guest. Go for it. Let's yeah. Do it. If, we're, if he's right. ready to roll, we're ready to roll. Here we go. The River City Open happened this past weekend, and we got the winner. Welcome to the show, Aaron Gossage. 
How's it going, Aaron? Good. How are you? Good, good. Congratulations on the big win, a tier win for you. Do you know how many a tier wins that is for you? That's my second one. I got my first one last year. Yes, nice. second and pro uh, to be clear, um, but I'm sure that's what you're, you guys were going for. Uh, but yeah, I, I find it interesting. You have two A tier wins now in Michigan and Wisconsin last year. Uh, what is it about the upper Midwest? Uh, you being a Colorado guy, just the A tiers out there to suit you well. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, the, both of the courses are just kind of uh, birdie or die, and um, I was just kind of on throwing good drives. So. Um, took a lot of stress off the putt and everything so i think it worked out well mm-hmm. it's uh it's kind of funny you mentioned that um, i was joking with um with kyle klein telling him that he he kicked my butt at the 303 open in colorado and then i got him back in michigan so we, we beat each other in our home states and you know what's yeah. funny about that <laughs> you're swapping your home states but you're crushing it in your uh, manufacturer's home state you winning in discrafts michigan and kyle klein winning in dismania's american home i guess in colorado he helped there you go. So yeah, it's pretty one- cool. I got to uh, mm-hmm. go up to the factory and get some new discs and everything. So um, I think that was one of the reasons that um, I did so well that tournament. Got some good plastic going into it. Nice. What did you pick up that you know you felt like kind of helped you out with that win? Um, I've had some uh, kind of gaps in my bag lately, so um, it was nice to uh, I picked up like a stalker to kind of fit in, uh, kind of in between my Raptor and my mid ranges. Mm-hmm. and uh then i just got some good backups um put an onyx in the bag as well so just stuff kind of kind of out so i'm not just throwing like four molds mm-hmm. no there you go that's awesome i guess kind of going in diving into how the actual rounds played out i mean you popped off with the 1068 rate right around which actually wasn't even the hot round uh 1077 by chandler fry another discraft sponsored player um and then after that you popped off a 1069 rate right around and then final round was 1018. You ultimately took a one-stroke lead, or excuse me, one-stroke win over Andrew Marweed. I guess kind of talk to us about the battle, uh, two strokes over Kyle Klein. Just talk to us about the competition that was out there. Um, a lot of notable pros, a, a majority of the pros who we kind of talk about week in and week out that aren't overseas going uh, playing the European Open right now. We're playing this A-tier, I guess, kind of hanging out in Michigan before D-Glow pops up. But uh, just talk about the competition, talk about the tournament in and of itself. Yeah, uh, like I said before, it was uh, birdie or die. So um, it, it's it's different uh, feel to it when you're like, hey, I have to shoot 15 down this round. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh oh, did, did we lose him, Ben? I think so. Yeah, might have lost him for a minute. Oh man, he might be in an area where the internet isn't too great. So yeah. when he jumps back on, folks, we will resume with the interview. But I guess we can kind of talk about the River City while he's not here. Uh, obviously, Aaron winning the event. Andrew Marweed getting second place. Kyle Klein getting third place. Uh, $2,600 the first place. I, I think that's just incredible. Some of these tournaments, like, you know, I, I won an A-tier earlier this year. I made $1,200 off of it. It was my highest win that I've ever, uh, highest amount of money that I've ever earned at a tournament. $1,200 is a very nice amount of money. Uh, $2,600 is even nicer, I would say. And so going out to this tournament, I think, you know, just kind of fighting for that big of a paycheck is pretty awesome. And then uh, over on the open women's side, the FPO side, Holland Hanley taking a one-stroke lead over Maria Oliva. Maria popping off over at U.S. Women's earlier this year, just a couple few weeks ago at this point, uh, popping off. They're both very similar in their ratings, very similar rounds that they kind of played against each other. 
But Holland Hanley ultimately taking the win. I think this is her second or third A-tier win. Uh, it might be her second one. Other notable names at the event on the FBO side were Stacey Ronsley, Lisa Fakus, Cynthia Ricciotti, um, and then a Vermonter, Alex Benson, was also at that event. So a lot of great competition going on, I think, both on the MPO side and the FPO side. Just kind of rolling down the MPO side, Chris Clemens, Chandler Fry, uh, Willie Prince is a dominant Michigan player out there. Yeah, he's uh, Ryan Lada. Deglo. Mm-hmm. Willie Prince, he, he does fantastic. Yep. Yeah. You know who else exactly. does really good? Aaron Gossage back again. Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> right. There we go. Love it, Ben. Let's I, go. I just got done with the practice round at Toboggan. It's super hot here, so my phone just overheated while I was on oh, the wow. video chat. That is crazy. Yeah, put that thing right on the AC vent. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah. anyways, just talk to us. You know, we were kind of just talking about the tournament in and of itself, the competition out there. Just give us a little brief, you know, how did it feel just in such a birdie or die situation? How did it just feel competing against a lot of other notable players in our sport? It was uh, super fun. The first two rounds um, was really relaxed. Um, like you said, playing with some just uh, some friends, you know, that uh, it's not quite as uh, intense as some of the bigger events. So um, pretty relaxed and it was it was a fun time. And then the last round um, definitely got some nerves, got some jitters going um, just because it was coming down to the wire. Uh, Marweed and Kyle both put the pressure on big time being the, the local Michigan guys. And um, I didn't quite shoot as well, but I was able to hold on by one stroke right there at the end. And we were kind of just briefly talking about this too, but a $2,600 paycheck coming from this tournament. That's pretty awesome. I mean, is that, is that one of the reasons why you like going around playing, I guess, B tiers and A tiers is just, you know, not that it's easy money, but at the same time, you can still make a decent amount of money going to these events as well. Is it something that you kind of look for in your schedule events that, you know, maybe are kind of in between the pro tour with the elite series and the silver series. Are you still trying to find other events almost every single weekend that you're playing? Yeah, definitely. Um, I like to fill up my schedule. Um, I think I play better when I play every weekend. And like you said, um, it's a different experience. You get to play different courses, different styles, different players when you're playing those B tiers, C tiers, A tiers, and not just the the pro tour events. You also Mm -hmm. just get more tournaments in and I think it's a good experience and it kind of um, makes you a more well-rounded player. And I, I think one of the kind of incredible experiences that also comes with C tiers, B tiers, and A tiers is just developing that winning mentality of going down. You were saying you weren't playing the best final round, but at the same time, you were able to hold off your competitors going into the final round and ultimately taking the win to it. Does winning these events kind of give you a little bit of a confidence boost, especially as another Elite Series event is coming up, especially with ones where... You know, we really started learning about your name last year. You know, we have some incredible events coming up, multiple Discraft sponsored events as well. Um, is this kind of just a confidence boost going into these ones? Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, it's a it's a different mental uh, challenge um, at some of these events where there's actually a chance to to win it. Um, it uh, it puts a little different pressure on. I think going into some of the pro tour events, I kind of don't really have too many expectations and just kind of see what I can get. Mm-hmm. Versus at some of these local ones, I'm kind of expecting myself to win these, and it's a different mentality going in. So, gotcha, gotcha. Not, um, for bad, it's a, it's a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Evan, you got anything? I got um, another question if you're... No, I was I was going to hop into some D-Glow talk, but Nick, if you have anything about the River City Open, feel free. Uh, well, I was just going to say, you know, one of the questions actually is just come from the chat yeah, from uh, Harry Chase, that, but yeah. yeah, he was just saying, question for Aaron, round two, you had 12 straight birdies with eight twos in a row what's your mindset when you have a streak like that going do you use that momentum or do you still just try to take it one hole at a time 
Um, yeah, I definitely try to uh, keep it one hole at a time. Uh, like I said, my drives were on, which really takes a lot of pressure off. Um, I'm more of that kind of player where I, I, when I get on a roll like that, it's usually parking baskets. There's a lot of players get on a roll where they're hitting putts. But um, it definitely got to me just a little bit. Um, my 13th hole, I had it in the circle putts, and I was feeling a little nervy. I was like, you know, I'm on a roll right now. Can't miss the circle's edge putt. And, um, yeah, I just, just felt a little nervy on it. Um, but then I finished out, got the last two holes, and uh, put together a solid round. Nice. Well, Evan, take us into a little deglow. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, kind of two-parter here, but uh, I'll start with the first one. Is I mean, you, you've had – a ton of great finishes on the pro tour uh recently you've had a great season last year you were about you were 45th at deglo uh now that you've gotten to see the course and kind of play it again uh what are kind of your goals for deglo this year like i mean i'm sure you're going to be like let's do better than 45th are you uh like feeling confident about a top 10 are you just trying to play the best disc golf you can i'm definitely feeling confident out, out here um, it's a really long course this year. Um, I know it always is, but um, some of the uh, changes they've made have made it a lot longer. I think that really um, complements my game well. And I, I do pretty well throwing um, elevation, you know, uphill, downhill. So um, I think there's a lot of aspects to this tournament that um, does complement my game. I just couldn't quite put it all together last year. And now that I've had some experience, I am feeling very confident going in to D-Glow. Yeah, good to hear I do you mind like sharing a few of the details, you know, not you don't have to go super in depth, but just a couple of the hole changes. Like, do you like them? Are they, you said they were longer. Are they kind of better holes because of that? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I definitely think the, the first one, uh, they changed the kind of blind uh, hyzer hole and it's now kind of like a dead straight downhill 500 foot shot. And um, I think it's very challenging. You could throw, um, you know, righty or lefty at it. Um, and then they, they split up the section of really tough par threes and they put a par four right in the middle. That's really challenging. And I think that that's a good change as well. And then the last one is they took kind of the easiest hole in the course and they moved it back about a hundred feet. So it makes it a, a little bit more challenging now. And I think all, all those are really good changes to the, to the course. Very cool. Yeah, what, what, what was considered the easiest hole? Cause I'm actually going to D glow and I'm trying to think in my head. Great. They, they just tiger proofed it once again to where it's just another long course in a sense for me. But uh, I mean, what are you, what are you considering the easiest hole out there? So before um, I think it was hole 14. Um, mm -hmm. It probably still is the easiest hole if you have 500 foot distance, but uh, <laughs> is that a shot at Nick? <laughs> it's a shot at anyone who doesn't throw 500 feet, I guess. <laughs> or it was like a, like a 400 foot shot to the base of the hill and then another kind of 400 foot shot to the basket. And it's pretty much wide open and you couldn't get any more distance really um, just because you start throwing up the hill if you're throwing farther. And now that they've moved the tee pad way back, um, you're kind of your max distance shots going 500 feet are landing right at the base of the hill, which is giving a significant advantage to people that, that have that extra bit of distance. Is the basket still in position tucked up to the left? Okay, yeah, gotcha. So, so just moving the tee pad back. I, I, yeah, I know exactly. If you ever look at the old distance with, actually, I think distance with Dion video. Um, oh yeah. If you watch, if you watch that one, that's the hole that he's talking about. It's just moved back, you know, a ton now. So, um, but just shooting up that toboggan hill. Since we're talking about distance, Aaron, um, I kind of want to bring it to some of the people in the chat that kind of want to know, probably or listen in future. What is your biggest tips on just getting that raw distance? <laughs> getting that extra distance. Um, for me, um, I have to say that the biggest thing I did was just practice. Uh, when I was a kid, I would just go out every day. Um, I'd go to the field next to my house and I'd throw back and forth for about an hour. 
and I could just see the distance improve almost uh, with every throw. So um, practice, practice, practice. And um, I think reaching out and getting some tips from your local pros um, on some form stuff is definitely beneficial. Um, but yeah, th- there's nothing uh, like just getting out and throwing. That, yep. that, that's going to get most distance. There you go. Practice kids. There you go. See, I got my biggest go. tip for distance is just be from Colorado because <laughs> apparently everyone up there, uh, I don't know if it's you're used to throwing more like understable plastic because everything's more stable there. I don't know what it is, but y'all can throw. So being being actually, we were just talking about him earlier, but being from Colorado yourself, uh, do you get to play many rounds with Joe Rivera? Yeah, um, Joe Rivera is one of my favorite players um, to play with. Um, yeah. Ever since I was a kid, I've got some memories of being like, 10 years old um, and being on a card with him, those shotgun starts first rounds where they mix all the cards and some of the coolest experiences I've had. And then I've had some battles with him as well. Um, he's got me in a playoff or two before uh, for some, some wins. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really nice to see him win the, the masters um, world championships. So um, congratulations to him. He really deserves it. And mm-hmm. I'm glad to see a Colorado guy come out and kick some butt. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was saying this earlier, just talking about um, there was one of the Maple Hill Opens. It was before it was the MVP Open, and it might have been right after the Vibram Open. So I think that kind of in between where they called it the Maple Hill Open. But he was competing with the top guys. It was just kind of like, damn, who the hell is this guy? And I've watched the coverage because he has such a, a powerful throw, and he has a very not unique putting style. But if I remember, he's more of a poppy kind of like nose down putter. Um, and it just it works for him. You know, he's silky smooth. He's He's powerful when he needs to be. And uh, just plays great disc golf. So I was super pumped to kind of see his name uh, jump to the top and ultimately ended up winning the world championships for the Masters division. And I'm sure that's a huge thing for him, just kind of the excitement that rolls around with that as well. Um, But yeah, I I could totally see. I I think the Colorado tournaments, I can't imagine what it's like competing, you know, when you guys are all maybe in the offseason competing at your local B tiers against each other. I mean, that's some pretty stiff competition going on out there. And then uh, I guess, you know, as we're on the D-Glow topic, we've talked about the course. It's gotten a little, it's gotten a little tougher. Um, what are potentially some discs? You're doing practice rounds out there now. What are some discs that you're potentially relying on uh, for that course? Yeah, um, kind of my uh, go-tos. I'm throwing a lot of nukes. I think throwing up the hill, uh, nuke is a really good disc. Um, it can be a little squirrely, but uh, when you need that extra distance going up the hills, um, it's really nice. And then um, some of those tunnel shots, I'm throwing like an Onyx, um, a little bit straighter disc that's a little more controllable. And um, just hoping to get close enough to have, you know, uh, zone up shots, you know, things like that. So mm-hmm. uh, sticking with my game, um, throwing, throwing nukes for distance and then um, Raptors, Onyx um, for kind of those straighter shots and uh, up shots. Gotcha, gotcha. And being a, you know, a Discraft player, if they were to promote you to the elite team tomorrow... What is a disc you would pick as your signature series? It's going to happen. I'm just going to say that it's going to happen. <laughs> I promise you. Don't Aaron Gossage right to now. the elite team uh, next year. Guaranteed. You heard it here. That's my take. Someone clip this. Ben's just jealous because he doesn't have an Aaron Gossage disc yet. No, uh, I don't. That's his tradition. Uh, but, but give it to us, Aaron. Yeah, so it's a great question. Um, I would love to have a Raptor as my Tour Series disc, but um, pretty much every disc that I throw is already thrown by another player on the team. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to figure that out if that situation does arise yeah. and uh, figure out kind of what slot I want to want to fit into. But I think the Raptor would be the one I would choose if I could choose any disc. 
Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And then uh, one of the just kind of questions rolling through the chat, we were talking about big distance earlier, Evan, you know, Evan and Ben just kind of asking, you know, where does this distance come from, yada, yada, yada. People were talking about kind of disc selection. If you're kind of giving some tips towards the beginner players, the let's say the amateur level players right now, or professionals just wanting to grow in their distance, you know, what kind of discs are you telling them to pick up and kind of throw? That's a great question. Um, I don't I have the best knowledge as far as that goes. Um, my recommendation is find a disc that you can hyzer flip. You can you know start on a bit of hyzer and you can get to flat. And it honestly doesn't matter if it's um, fairway driver, distance driver, anything like that. You just need to find the right stability for your arm speed at the time. And then as you get more distance, you'll see it change and you'll see you'll need to, to get to those more stable discs. Um, but that's kind of the shot that's going to be your, your max distance, reliable shots and a shot everyone should learn. Nice. And this is kind of coming out of left field, but we're about halfway, maybe a little bit more than halfway through the touring season. And this is kind of your first year really being out on the road full time. Uh, when we had you on the show last year, I think you were still working at a bike shop. I don't know if you're still doing that, but um, how are you liking the tour life? Are you enjoying it? Is it what you kind of thought it was going to be? If there were some things you would change about it, what would you change? Kind of give us the details on being a touring pro. Yeah, it's an experience for sure. You got to have the right uh, mindset and mentality. Um, but I did quit my job at the bike shop and I'm, I'm completely, you know, living off disc golf right now. And uh, I love it. Uh, this kind of lifestyle suits me uh, nicely. I get to go out and I get to do what I love every single day. And um, right now, or I guess last year, at the end of the year, I started in like a Honda Civic and it was kind of like lowest of the low as far as the touring going. And uh, this year I definitely stepped up. I decked out uh, a little uh, minivan, uh, Toyota Sienna. So um, I have like a sleeping space, little living area, sinks, stove, a few of the other things that just make life a little bit more livable. But uh, definitely next year, I'm going to try to... Um, add a few more quality of life aspects to everything. So um, hopefully I can keep uh, moving up and um, making the tour uh, life like a little bit easier on myself. Oh, definitely. All right. We had a discussion earlier about the tractor on hole 18 uh, at the PCS Sula open. I don't know if you got to see it and kind of your thoughts on that, but I want to bring it to your hometown of grand junction. There is a course. Am I right? Is it Watkins Island? Do I have that right? Yeah, mm -hmm. so you kind of have one of those extra bonus holes, and you kind of have the highway underpass triple mando hole. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on holes kind of like that, where you're kind of using, you know, I would say non-natural elements uh, to make an interesting disc golf hole? Do you like that hole specifically, and your just general thoughts on that kind of course design for both local and pro? Obviously, they're they're different. Right. That's what I was going to say. Is that I think that it's a great aspect for local events. Um, like Watson Island, I love that hole. Um, I think everyone who plays it loves it. And uh, yeah, you actually get like the double, triple man with that one. And that's a great way to um, incorporate, you know, a lot of that um, local stuff into it. Don't think it necessarily belongs on the brewer or at those group best. So um, I don't know, I love DGT, which tries some of those um, course different ideas and the things and i think they kind of they can belong you know a little bit below the uh, major and elite series events but um that's just kind of my two cents on the matter what an answer <laughs> i loved almost every single bit of that answer yeah, and it was a little i might have yeah, liked it too on. much almost Aaron, i was smiling can, the whole is time is there any way you could repeat that again you were breaking up the whole time but your connection is good now sorry about that 
But well, I think people got some okay. of it, so you could yeah. maybe shortly yeah. recap it just in case You're they good weren't now, though. Listen, think... listen to what I said 20 minutes ago, and it's literally <laughs> almost exactly what Aaron just said. But Aaron, I'll let you paraphrase what you had just said, if you don't mind, please. Yeah, I was just saying that I think that that's a great aspect to the sports, and I think it's great for the local courses. Um, I think that it's a great addition to Watson Island, things like that, but it doesn't belong at the elites level, at majors, and at those elite series events. I think we need to have a little bit more structure, a little more professionalism at that level. So are you anti-tractor is the real question. <laughs> <laughs> I love the tractor. I think it's a great thing. I just think that it, it's it's the kind of, it's an A-tier kind of uh you know, gimmicks that you're adding to a course. Yeah. Shouldn't uh, be on a pro versus tour. Versus if you're absolutely Yeah, it probably shouldn't be at a pro tour. Cool. I think I think the reason you were cutting out earlier, I think Evan was doing some lag switch on your side because he hated <laughs> hearing that answer. And so I think, you know, it's just more like, you know, got to get him out of here or whatever. But All right. uh, for the record, I'm protractor <laughs> at. OK, I also mispronounced it. It's Watson's Island. Now that you say it, I remembered it right. Uh, yeah, that, like it's a it's a cool hole. Like I, I played through Grand Junction uh and played that course and i had a blast i love that course first of all it's a ton of fun uh and then when you get to those holes you're throwing through like a, I think it's two triple mandos and i i want to say there's like graffiti and there might even be a clown's mouth but that's essentially what it is um and yeah i didn't even make the triple mando but i still had fun on that hole so i i liked aaron's answer i'll uh put a stamp of my approval on it Ching. there you go exactly uh well aaron we've had you on for a decent amount of time now i mean if you got anything more to say we'd love to keep talking to you but we also don't want to keep you too busy from the life you're living right now so uh if there's anything else that we missed and you want to talk about it let us know if not we'll uh say we appreciate you coming on yeah i think that's about all i have thanks for having me on here i, mm -hmm. I really appreciate it and uh yeah sorry about my phone uh overheating <laughs> that's just oh. like it's so hot out now it's uh, it's a struggle <laughs> yeah don't worry about it man we really really appreciate you coming on kind of last minute i'm glad we got it all worked out and uh hopefully we'll have you on again sometime soon that means you're doing something right and uh once again good luck over at dglo and uh i'll actually i'll see you there so hopefully we'll be able to say hello perfect sounds good all right take it easy buddy thank you again likewise yep thank you Sweet. aaron gossage that was wonderful that we were yeah. able to line that up um great timing got to have an awesome guest on i mean I, I went to school in colorado i don't know how much i've shared that mm -hmm. but i i'm a huge fan of all the colorado guys on tour just a little bit of a bias yeah. he's from the western side mm -hmm. of the state um so yeah got to go all the way through the mountains and get over there but still colorado i've yet to go to colorado yet i don't really know if i want to go to colorado because i think my understable stuff is going to fly so stable that i think <laughs> i'd be even more embarrassed than i am about my distance so, and uh don't really know if i'm feeling that yeah, but no i'm just kidding i definitely want to go out there and play. quickly go into there's kind of two levels you have your kind of front range although uh so if you're at you're still at elevation you're at about five thousand feet around the denver area or the grand mm -hmm. junction area you're not like in the mountains and so it's very different than bailey which we saw from the match play that's a whole nother level uh when you mm -hmm. play out there i played a course uh in the mountains was not my favorite i'm forgetting the name of it but it was kind of in the uh the dylan area kind of where Breckenridge mm -hmm. and Keystone is. And it just like, it was, it was more of like a pro level course, a lot of blind shots, but that's past mm -hmm. it. My stuff was so overstable and I was just not having a good time. It was also like 40 mile an hour winds or something crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but I played a ton on the front range in the Denver area and yeah, your discs are more overstable, but it still feels like you can throw them and there's just a minor difference. Okay. Um, and so it's not like, it's not like it's just going to die and fall out of the sky. 
Um, but gotcha. I will say, like, I, I love that area. Um, there's not a lot of spots for, like, a pro tour quality course in the Denver area. There's a lot of great notable courses. It's a huge, like, I'd say it's kind of a disc golf hotbed. A lot of disc golfers out there. A lot of park kind of courses. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, like, I wouldn't say there's one on the front range that's, like, you must travel. Like, you're traveling from states around to get there. There are some fun mountain courses like Bailey, uh, Beaver Ranch, and a few others like that. Um, but I, I, I think Colorado is a little bit more to grow to be a disc golf destination. If I am being honest. Yeah, that's what that's what it kind of feels like at this point. And I think with, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Of, um, I mean, we we've never seen a massive event out there. Obviously, the Match Play Championship happened at that one earlier this year. Um, are the courses good enough for a pro tour? I'm sure there's at least one or two of them out there that could be pro tour events. And so I'm I'm just curious when. When and if that will ever happen, I'm sure there are plenty of courses out there that have been better than ones that have previously played been played on the tour, whether it's at majors or, you know, Silver Series events, Elite Series events, whatever. I'm sure I'm sure Colorado will kind of jump up eventually into that one, uh, which would be really cool. Yeah. Um, But what I will say, though, is like it might not be a disc golf destination. But obviously, Denver, Colorado is a huge vacation destination. I don't want to people mm-hmm. thinking like it's not cool to travel yeah. like Denver yeah. uh, and the mountains are absolutely sick. Um, like if you're an outdoorsy person, like there's endless hiking. There's like like if you just live at any house, like there's easy walking pass, bike pass. It's such a friendly okay. city for all these outdoor activities. Like They got the nuggets. They got uh, the nuggets. <laughs> my boy, Nikola Jokic. Yo, uh, the Avs just won the Stanley Cup. Uh, the Rockies oh, wow. are not good. good. Uh, the Broncos are neither, not neither good. Neither are the Nuggets, but that's and, all right. Okay. The, the, uh, the Broncos have Russell Wilson now, but let me tell you, Broncos fans, they're still not going to be good. I'm sorry. They need pay no. man in um, Only pay man but, can save them. But yeah, there's so much to do. There's so much hiking, obviously skiing. And what's, what mm-hmm. is cool is the front range where Denver is. The summers are actually kind of mild. They're not going to like hearing that, but they are if you come from, uh, let's say, the Midwest or the East Coast. Um, you get a lot of warm days mixed in. Mild uh, in a sense, like when. I heard, I heard I was baffled when someone said that it can get cold and windy. You'll have days that will like hit zero and be windy, but you'll just have random like weak stretches of 50 plus, I was baffled 70 plus when degrees. Shane, I think you met him at Buff Doubles. He's, he lives in Colorado and he was like, yeah, the winter in Colorado isn't that bad. Like sometimes yeah, it's, it's just warm. And I was like, Colorado, like I was, I, I, yeah. I just. It, I just think like blizzards like one of the, all the time. One of the yeah, years right. I was out there, it was like every month there was one weekend that was like 70 plus degrees all winter long. It was so nice. So you just, but oh. it can, it, it has a lot of temperature swings. So it can, it can snow. And then like two days later be 70 plus degrees, which is really oh. nice. And that's why I called it mild. Whenever it snows, it melts right away. Cause it's so sunny. 300 days yeah, of sunshine, it, sunshine a crazy. year. I didn't know that. Um, and also it actually Denver snows less than my, hometown of manchester new hampshire uh they get more snow uh it just it's a desert so it doesn't have a lot of precipitation but when you get in the mountains uh kind of get into some Game geology over. stuff here the clouds kind of uh move slower and kind of get stuck because they're in the mountains so it'll kind of hover over dump snow and then move on and kind of break up however you would uh get into that so they get a ton of snow in the mountains the mountains <laughs> is like true winter there's snow all year round on some peaks um but like from september to may like the mountain towns will be covered in snow there'll be tons of skiing but then you drive two hours to denver and there's snow like on the ground for like 20 days a year max because that, it snows and it melts i'm moving to denver yeah. but awesome mm-hmm. awesome beer city too so much outdoor stuff to do like a ton of fun you should travel to denver if you like other things 
plan a few rounds for disc golf, but don't be blown away. But Denver has potential. But go out there just for the heck of it. So yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, we're kind of rolling into the next segment, but before we can do that, we just want to thank one of our other sponsors. That's uh, a newer sponsor this year, but you guys have been hearing us talk about it every single week. We're going to talk about the DG Max Wax. Uh, it's a grip enhancement product that'll help you out um, just throughout your rounds, especially in this hot, hot and humid weather that a majority of, I would say, especially where we are at uh, on the East Coast side of things, use a towel, use a birdie bag first, and then put on the grip enhancer with the snap stick, or they actually have this little mini Fits right in your bag very, very easily in either one of the side pockets or inside, you know, wherever on your bag. Uh, it's incredible to getting a grip and helping out release more spin with your disc. Uh, go to dgmaxwax.com, use code Nick and Matt for 10% off your order. And then uh, if you guys are using it, take a video, tag us on Instagram with it. You know, we'd love to see it. Uh, they've been super appreciative about all this. And to anyone that has bought it, thank you so much, especially using the code that we are offering 10% off dgmaxwax.com use code nick and matt incredible stuff um definitely cannot wait to re-up you know just kind of my product with them in a sense i'm gonna need some more of it soon so uh awesome stuff and then i guess one of the biggest things we got going on right now in the disc golf world we have another major let's coming go up. this is major number two of the year across uh, this the is kind of like pond. disc golf christmas there's like four christmases for disc golf and it's usually every single major i love the addition of the champions cup funny enough we actually never really talked about this but the champions cup had they stayed in the original format of doing the four rounds and then two rounds of match play after that would we have seen a different winner? We never really kind of dove into that, which I would like oh to, and just kind of seeing of yeah, like, that's a that's, good point. That's all hypothetical. Yeah, it's all hypothetical stuff. That that'd be just for a just a very relaxing conversation that would probably end up turning into arguments on who we think would win. Ton of what ifs going around, but well, to anyways. put that conversation to the rest real quick, one of the things you were yeah. worried about was a blowout in regulation, so to speak, and then you get to match play and like fourth place, who was like twenty mm -hmm. strokes behind, is playing in it. We did not see that. We saw both divisions come down to the final hole. So I will leave yep. it at that. Exactly. Definitely something of fun, kind of fun to talk about later on. But we do have another major coming up. This is one of the most notorious majors for having an insane amount of people in person at this event. Uh, I think it's pretty awesome watching coverage. I'm actually uh, later tonight when I go and work out, I'm going to set up my TV to where I can watch old European open coverage. It is one of my favorite coverages to watch. There's so many good players that are just playing incredible at it. And then getting to see Paul win it is really, really fun. What? Um, especially Spoilers. sometimes. <laughs> I haven't yeah, watched the post exactly. yet. Yeah, the post-production for the five years that he's won it in yeah. a row, which is pretty pretty wild. There hasn't been a different winner at the European Open since 2011, I think was the stat that the Disc Golf Pro Tour had put up earlier. What? They put um, that up? <laughs> stat Mando? Yeah. I think we did gave stat that Mando? to him, too. Oh. I, didn't I share oh, that I'm, on the I'm show sure you guys week. can get that. I, I'm just saying I saw it off of their Instagram. If they gave you guys credit to it, great. I would give you guys credit if I, you guys were the source I, of that. Yeah, yeah. I, but, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure I said that on the show. Yeah. But was that a stat or fiction? That was something last yeah. week. Yeah. I just want to give yeah, a quick bad, heads yeah. up. Um, I am moving to Europe to play um, on the tour. So hopefully they accept me. That's all. You're moving to Europe to go play on the tour. Yeah, I'm seeing 997, 975, 974 rated players uh, go on the <laughs> oh, European Open. So, you know, I'm moving to Europe. That's it. There you go. There's a 952, 958. <laughs> go, go out there and compete. And let, me, let me know how it goes. But to bring it um, back to what Nick was saying earlier, mm -hmm. once we finish up here and wrap up on the Nick and Matt show, which we got plenty of time left, but once we do... Mm -hmm. Spin TV, they don't put out a ton of coverage uh, anymore. I, d I don't think they put out anything since 
2019 anyways. Um, but go look through their archives, find the European Open each year. It happened 2019, it happened in 2017, it happened in 2016 as an A tier on the Disc Golf World Tour, uh, kind of every other year. But go check that out. Don't just watch 2019s, watch 2017s, watch all the ones going back. There are so many good battles. And I mean, we say no spoilers in live sports. I, I am kind of going to go into no spoilers. And like we know that Paul won five years, but how he won. Uh, you should definitely go back and watch because there's a ton of exciting finishes. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about the hole last week, the hole 18 that kind of wraps it up. It's an exciting last hole. It's kind of we talk about which quick side tangent. We talk about hole 18 at Worlds last year in Utah kind of being like a um, drawing board for new hole 18. So we've seen that a couple times uh, in in recent events like Portland and they're kind of tight uh, green and OTB as well. The European Open might have been the first to kind of do that kind of concept, like almost like a dog led turn to a really skinny green elevated mm-hmm. basket. Uh, phenomenal finishing hole for a lot of excitement. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited to watch it. I'm also super excited to see Eagle McMahon back out. And I just watched Simon's vlog earlier today. Me too. Um, he seems to be healthy and I'm hoping he stays like that. I know he's pushing himself for this tournament to be able to play have a good time hopefully you know have some good success with it he is not signed up for deglo right afterwards though so right now all he's signed up for is the european open and then the pdga world championships happening at the end of august um but still super excited to kind of see him back out in the competitors field uh paul calvin simon james conrad and Hamas. you know most if not all of the great players are going to be at this event one of the big notables that is not there though on the mpo side chris dickerson um, not being at that event, he's won the only major that we've had so far this year. Also, multiple Silver Series wins as well. Um, so, bummer not to see him. I'd, I'd love to see him go out and attack this course. I'd love to see him kind of attack the European scene, see what he could do out there. But Ricky Wysocki, I think he's definitely looking for a big win as of late. Paul Macbeth is definitely looking for a win. This is a tournament he's had success at over in the past years. So, kind of let's see, you know, if Beast Mode will come out at the Beast. Definitely curious to see that. Simon Lazat just being one of the all-time great players, especially coming out of Germany and then going out competing at this event. I remember one of the years, one of the holes, I forget exactly which one, it might have been 10, 11, or 12, one of those, but it has the big Lazat banner behind it. It's just really, really cool to see that. Um, super pumped to kind of see him go back out and compete. Seems like he's healthy for all that. And then on the FPO side, big notable thing that is not happening is Kristen Tatar will not be at the event. She did actually drop out of it. She's having some pretty serious elbow injury going on right now elbow issues um which is a big bummer not seeing her at this event we i love seeing great competition and i love seeing the best players playing at any of the events and we've talked about this before that we could argue that she is the number one fpo player out in the world right now um also another one that is not there u.s women's winner of this year Haley king does not look to be playing this event um so it's a bummer but we have great names Paige pierce katrina Al- katrina allen Evelina Salonen, Hannah Blumroos, and then Heidi Lean, Kat Merch, Kona Panis, KT Tati, Deanne Carey. Like a lot of a lot of great players still playing at this event. And pretty much at this point, we'll kind of open it up. Who do we think is going to win the event? And I'll let you guys take it first. Ben, you want it first or you want me to go? Uh you want me to go. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you just had that kind of look of I don't know who I want to well, choose. Well, yeah, I, I have one of my picks. I, I gotta do my other picks. So if you okay. got both of yours, go. I only have MPO. Dang it. Okay. Um oh. but what I want to go into is you're mentioning the players there. I kind of want to mention 
Ricky Wysocki has not won a major in five years. I I actually like I remember doing this stat earlier this year for Champions Cup, and he only won one in the past five years. But now we have passed that five year mark, and his other that was being the 2017 June, yeah, yeah, 2017 World Championships in Georgia. That was in June of 2017. Um, that is over five years from now because we are in July of 2022. I think Ricky Vasaki is due for a win. That's always kind of like the gambler's fallacy or however you say it. Um, but Ricky Wysocki has won numerous elite series events in the last couple of years. He has been, I think, the best player consistently on tour. Paul McBeth has won a five in a row uh, as a major at this event and six times total, uh, being the A tier as the other. But I think he gets dethroned, and I'm picking Ricky Wysocki. There we go. All right. So we'll, we'll start with okay. MPO. I, I can yeah. I can do my pick. Um, I have both my picks now. But for my pick, I'm gonna go a little wild card, and I'm gonna go Nicolas Antia is gonna take down the European Open. That's my pick. You know, um, I've seen him play a little bit here and there. He's smooth as butter. Um, he's young. And I think he's going to shock the world because it's his home course, uh, home turf, as in Europe. <laughs> but um, I, that, that's who I'm going to pick just because I feel like he has a slight advantage um, because, you know, he's from Europe. Nick? I'm just wondering. I'm going down the list just looking at players at it. Um, okay, Seppo is playing it. I, I didn't see his name originally. Just want to see if he was playing. I love watching Seppo Paiu play. Um, so seeing him at it, hopefully we'll get a chance to actually see him on coverage. He but might going be... down the list and kind of just wanting to pick an MPO winner. Uh, I'm so it's a, it's always so tough because I'm so biased on like who I want to win or like who do I think is going to win. I mean, you want to say that Paul Macbeth has the edge to win because he's won it so many times. He definitely has confidence going into this event. But when you look at the year that he's having right now, it's not consistently up to par as in the years past when he has won this event as well. So as much as like when it comes to a personal pick, I want Paul to win. Um, I think that would be incredible. I also do think, though, Simon Lazar is going to make a big push. He would kind of be my number one guy to win it. And then as my two and three of like, who do I think is going to have kind of like a really good tournament? I would love to see Adam Hammes pop off like a top three with the potential to win this tournament. Um, I think he does have all the key attributes to his game of a backhand, forehand and uh, kind of forehand upshot. Silky smooth with zones. Um, incredibly good with his new tour series ones. And then uh, who was I going to say? Calvin Heinberg. Calvin Heinberg has been looking for a big win for a little while now. Uh, bigger than Elite Series. We're talking major. I know he's won Jonesboro this year. But also, we always talk about Calvin being one of the players who is just in contention, contention so many times um, and doesn't squeak away with a win. So who do I want to win? I would love it if Paul. I definitely think Paul has an incredible chance of winning. I'm sure he's got a lot of confidence build up after that last round over at Idlewild. Uh, but at the same time, you can kind of look at statistically the year that he's having. He's not probably the favorite to win the event. Simon Lazat, though, I think has an incredible chance of winning it. And I would love to see Calvin Heinberg and Adam Hammes do incredibly well at it. All right. Who's your official um, pick, though? Let's hear it. one name. That's all. official pick. Simon Lazat. All right. It, which I, yeah, believe me, I would freaking love, love, love to see Simon Lazat win a big tournament like this. I think that would be such an incredible, like that would just blow up in the disc golf world about how incredibly awesome that would be 
Uh, but there's so many players who I want to like, who I think could succeed here. I know Ricky Wysocki has been in contention so many times here. Eagle McMahon's been in contention here before, notably back in 2019. They were both battling, and then Paul made a charge towards the end of things, ended up winning it. Um, so both of them are great. I'm really curious to see how Eagle is going to do. You know, I'm, I'm really hoping, am, am I like, do I think Eagle's going to win it? No. Do I think Eagle can pop off a top 10 right now, though? Absolutely. I'm just yeah. really hoping that his arm, his shoulder. I don't think he's forehanding, though, so that's a, another consideration. I, I don't Is think it's still an, no forehand. Still no forehand. I don't forehand. think it's a hugely necessary forehand. There's like a couple holes. There's yeah. one that's like a 380 forehand. I was actually just going back and watching, and, and this dude parks like no, like Jeremy even said, yeah. like he threw like 20% power on that, and he parks. I think yeah. it's 380, full forehand, like kind of hard to reach with I the know. backhand. Yeah. Uh, parks it like literally to under the basket. Yeah, I know hole two is kind of that dog leg to the that right, like the just a big ante. Yeah. Is that there's hole two, and then there's one more that's actually also I think a foot golf hole, because um, the park is used for multiple things. Yeah, that and one I, I think I want to say that's on the back nine. Yeah, it's much more attainable with a backhand though. If you if okay. you can throw something flip up, I I, I want to say of gotcha. course I've never been there. Yeah, just watching from no, post. yeah, exactly. So you I know, would love to go there. I mean, shoot, they, I I feel like that would just be such an incredible. I I've always wanted to go to Japan to play the Japan Open. I've wanted to go to Europe to play the European Open, and then I always wanted to play OG Yarva. If you guys are OG listeners to the show, um, I have said it before. I would happily pay a hundred dollar entry fee or a hundred dollars. Hundred dollars. To play I'm one round at Yarba, dude, there's so like so much incredible history, and that course just looks amazing. Um, anyways, that's a whole different subject, but yeah, kind of going down more like who do I think could do well at this event? I mean, I'm definitely thinking Simon and Paul with my pick being Simon as a winner. I'm hope I'm proven wrong on that, and then uh, Calvin Heimberg and Adam Hammes, I think will both do incredibly well. I'm also kind of feeling a little Ezra Aderhold of Ooh. just kind of popping off this event. Like he'd be my kind of like low key pick who I'm just like, you know, he pops out of top five. You know, I think, I think he's right, right. there for you. He had pretty good idle wild. I got a quick, quick side uh, bet that we all can do before we get over to FPO. That, what is it? What do you think the chances are that we see a new major winner take it down? Ben, you said Nik- uh, Niklas Antala as your pick. That would be a new yep. major winner. Uh, Nick, you went with Simon Lazat. He has not mm-hmm. won a major. He has won Kona Peach Day when it's an A-tier, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, has not won a major, though. I picked Ricky, who hasn't won a major in five years, but has definitely won majors in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's two to, that's two to one. Uh, what's, just, what's the stakes yeah. of this from the Maple Hill so you guys drag? Yeah. Well, I mean, I yeah. guess that's not like I don't you have to say a specific number, but do you guys think it's likely we'll see a new major winner? Yeah, I mean, pretty much all the names you mentioned, Nick. I'll take Paul. major winner. Yeah, I was gonna say there's there's a lot new of names that I think. Yeah, I think I think we could definitely see a new major winner. Um, I also think that on the FPO side as well. Yeah, but let's I bring it into FPO. New, yeah, we can bring it right into FPO, and I'll kind of start. You know, we have a majority of the great FPO players playing at this event: Paige Pierce, Katrina Allen, Evelina Salonen, Helen Blumrose, going down the list, just all great players. Um, as much as I want to pick Evelina to win the event because she has such a dominating backhand, her putting is just what kind of takes her out of it right now. And it's such a bummer because it's like, oh, it's just right there for her to get it. But um, if I'm kind of picking who I actually think is going to win the event, I'm in a toss up between Paige Pierce and Katrina Allen right now. And I slightly want to give the edge to Katrina Allen. So I'm going to go with Katrina Allen wins the major. Uh, with kind of like a second and third place as Paige Pierce getting second. 
It's so tough. I wish Owen Scoggins was playing this event. That'd be so great. But I would say Evelina popping off a third place. I think the uh, on the FPO side, I think there's going to be big separation between the top two players and then going down the list after that. I think third is going to be pretty well separated from second place. All right, Ben, who's he, who do you got? All right, you know, I went with Nicolas Santilla. You guys are probably... Antilla. It's Antilla. He's not Spanish. <laughs> He's I'm Spanish. Spanish. Guys, I'm half Puerto Rican, if you couldn't tell. But, um... That's a fact. I'm not. I'm not even saying <laughs> okay, that to give be us funny. The winner. <laughs> Sorry, I just gotta clarify. I'm supposed to say that to be funny. Um, I'm gonna have to say, you know, I went with the European first one. I'm gonna have to say for FPO, Kona Panis takes it down her first major. I think. Um, yes, her first and, major. And you know she's gonna. Feel good off that contract. You know, she's finally going to turn it around after after she got all the nerves out. She's going to take it down in uh, amazing flash and, um, you know, prove the haters wrong. That's my take. All right. Ben going back to back bold. I'll, I'll give it to you. <laughs> if, if one of your picks finished podium, I'll give you like a, a, a Butterfingers or something. We're out here. I, uh, I'm calling. Give doubt. me a disc. But. All right, fine. I'll I'll give you a disc if one of those. A Kona players... Panis Emperor. Let's go. Oh yeah, you want that? All right, all right. But bring it to me. We gotta uh, <laughs> reel this back in. Uh, rumors are Paige Pierce was at a music festival this week, uh, and you guys know how Paige Pierce does when she gets good time off disc golf and kind of enjoys uh, other things in life. When she gets back into disc golf, she goes crazy, crazy good. That is. Uh, I so guess thinking... you sounded like TMZ there for a second. Paige <laughs> Pierce goes... spotted at a festival. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were oh gonna say gosh. like I, I thought you were about to be like, <laughs> yeah, I thought you were about to be like. So she's gonna sock this next event because she's no, at a party and having five. a good time. I think she had fun <laughs> and gotta like clear her mind. Yeah, uh, get back to disc golf. She's had a couple bad performances in a row. I mean, bad for Paige Pierce. That is. Um, I think she comes back, takes it down, and gets the 17th major of her career, which would be the most majors of all time in FPO. I'm thinking that's happening, but I want to bring it back to my side bet with the three of us. We mentioned it kind of being top heavy with Paige Pierce, Katrina Allen, Evelina Salonen, and Hannah Walmers, but I'm going to leave her off of this for a second. How close do you think a player not named Paige Pierce, Katrina Allen, or Evelina Salonen will be to the lead at the end of the tournament. I don't think any other player, including Hemma Blomroos, who is fantastic. I don't think she's quite on the level as the other three, though. I think it's going to be like over 10 strokes between the winner and the next best player after those yeah. top three, I said. And I, I think that I might even say. be going under. I wouldn't be like four rounds at this tough course. I believe there's not FPOTs. Everyone plays the same thing. So we see a lot of big numbers. Cat Mersh comes in fourth. I like Kat Mersh too. I mm -hmm. think she's got it, mm -hmm. but I just, I think it's gonna be very top heavy. I, I do think it's going to be exciting. I think it'll be a fantastic finish, especially between those three ladies. Yeah. They're all fantastic, but I do think it's top heavy. We don't have Val Mandahano who's been killing it. We don't have, um, Owen Scoggins, as you mentioned, uh, I, Haley King, who obviously just won a major, uh, and just the rest of the depth of the American field, uh, that we see them making it really exciting all year, whether they've taken it down or not. Uh, but, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be exciting either way. Yeah. There's also a lot of names who I don't know if I've seen in the past, really. And so I'm genuinely curious, kind of like who out of those names is going to pop off. 
Um, I know this is a term out in Europe, it's out in Finland. Um, so a lot of the FPO players who we're used to talking about every single week, a lot of them aren't at this event, uh, which is a bummer. You want to see the best competition playing at these events. Uh, but at the same time, for how expensive it is for U.S. players to get over to it, um, we'll see. You know, we'll just kind of see. I think it's going to be a runaway from first and second place. I think they're just going to separate their feet. I think they're going to separate themselves from the field after two rounds. Um, this being a major, being a four-round event, I'm sure they're probably doing a cut after three rounds. But I think there will, like Evan was just saying, I think there will be some pretty heavy separation. On the MPO side, though, I think it's going to be a battle. And I'm really hoping once again that it comes down to the last hole because it makes watching disc golf so much more fun. This is an event that I will definitely be catching live. Uh, I'll be at a tournament out in Virginia this weekend, but I'm going to hang out at a buddy's house with a bunch of other friends. And so I'm sure every single night we're going to be uh, watching post-production when yeah. it comes well, out. The times um, are I'm wild going to be Yeah, live. times are wild. So I was, I'm going to be watching live when I can. Uh, but I know Sunday, the tournament that I'm playing is tea timed on Sunday, two rounds Saturday, one round Sunday with the tea time. Um, so I'm sure a majority of us will be able to catch some good coverage. Yeah. But hey, if your tea time's later in the day, sorry to catch you. No, no, no. I, was uh, just, I looked at you because you were but talking. But I think if my memory serves me right, it's something like 2 a.m. start time Eastern for FPO and 8 a.m. for MPO. So FPO is tough. If you're on the is West Coast, really? if you can stay wow. up late. 2 a.m.? I, I didn't think know so. it was Maybe that. it's 3 a.m. It's in Finland, which is kind of on the eastern side of Europe. It's probably like about a six or seven hour time difference. Wow. So it's about a 9 a.m. start time for them. Not like that's what we see all the time. Yeah. 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 Uh, so if you're a West Coast, uh, American West Coaster, stay up late, watch FPO, sleep, watch MPO post in the morning or rewatch live. <laughs> but for us East Coasters, uh, this is 8 a.m. Uh, that's kind of like, like, I think I said this last week, it's kind of like the Premier League where a lot of people wake up early, watch sports with their coffee or go to a mm -hmm. bar, maybe not drink but have coffee at a bar and watch sports mm -hmm. so it'd be kind of cool different kind of take get up early morning watch a fantastic major i do want to say one other thing though is uh another special part about this event is we got president's cup happening so yes. i just wanted to quickly go over the roster oh, so this is one of my favorite favorite things that happens every which, single year yeah which there well, are when it when it does happen yeah there are reserves to this and i'm going to assume uh that krishna tatar is not playing this because she had to drop out of the european opens actual event um but these are what the the website currently has as the starters uh, for Team USA, which, first of all, let me, it's it's USA versus Europe. It's a team battle. Uh, we kind of see it in mm -hmm. golf. It's the Ryder Cup there. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of same idea. Uh, Nick, you can get into the details and maybe how they how they play. But the starters for Team USA, we got Jeremy Colling as the captain. We also have Katrina Allen, Adam Hammes, Calvin Heinberg, Paul McBeth, Eagle McMahon, Paige Pierce, Ricky Baisaki and James Conrad with the two reserves being Kevin Jones and Kona Panis. Um, quickly go over the numbers. That's what six MPO and two FPO with a reserve for each division. Um, and then in team Europe, we got KJ Naibo who just played uh, masters worlds. We were just talking about him. Yeah. He is listed as the captain. So I bet he's making that quick trip over uh, mm -hmm. with Nicholas Antela, Ben's pick, <laughs> Lori Lettinen, Simon Lazat, who is European. Don't forget it like some of us do occasionally. Simon Lazada is European, is from Germany. Vino Makala, Evelina Salonen, Albert Tom, Kristen Tatar, and 
Newt Vallen Holland. Hopefully, I it's Canute. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're it gonna, is Canute. You're gonna correct well, me. I'm gonna correct you. It's right. Canute. Either way, it's not nut, as I mispronounced one. Word. <laughs> uh, then reserves, we see Seppo Payu and Henna Blomrus. I would assume that Henna Blomrus is the starter, uh, substituting Kristen Tatar. Mm-hmm. Seppo needs to be playing it as a starter. Seppo's a stud. I, yeah, I was gonna Seppo, he's 10 16 rated. I was just looking uh at the registration. I Seppo is one of the most beautiful throwers in all of disc golf. Watching him throw, you're just like, that guy is good at this sport. Um, unfortunately, like his placements haven't totally been there. He's had some good finishes, but I think he's had a lot of low finishes in between, just not keeping his rating high. Uh I mean, as unfortunate it is. But Nick, do you know much about what goes on in this? Is it is it I forget if it's singles or doubles or what kind of so, events happen? There's a match play aspect to it, singles match play. Um, and I don't remember if it's nine holes or 18 holes, but obviously winning it gets you points for your team. And then I, wait, is there even a doubles aspect to it, actually? Now that I think about it, I don't know. Well, chat, it's been so chat, long since I feel know. like we covered this. And yeah, I was going to say, I, is there a way to actually look this up? I'm going to mute myself first thing because I hear a loud keyboard, but I'm going to try right. to look it up really quick. As Nick look is, looks it up, I believe this is happening on Wednesday. Um, hopefully Nick gets us some good information, but I, I think this is really exciting. It's kind of a, a cool USA versus Europe battle we get to see. Um, when we look at the FBO side, the USA versus Europe is super exciting. Hey, what's up, Ben, on screen? Uh, we see Kristen Tatar dominating events when she gets to play, but we also see Katrina Allen and Paige Pierce looking like the two best in the sport. But when we get on the MPO side, I mean, Simon just won back-to-back Disc Golf Pro Tour events this year. Albert Tom won a Silver Series. Um, he's not on the on the team, but Jakob Semerad almost picks up a Silver Series this past weekend. So we have seen a lot of European uh, men doing fantastic, but I do think it's a little lopsided America. with the Team USA. Yeah. Um, kind of really comes down to the women and how much those uh, events are factored. But Nick, did you so find any information? Yeah, I have a quick little bit that I'm going to keep reading through the article afterwards, but just kind of something up actually on opendiscgolf.com under the President's Cup. Um, this exciting event takes place a day before the European Open. Uh, the compact single-day event is a perfect way to really kick off the five-day-long disc golf galore. The President's Cup consists of two nine-hole rounds, and players compete against their rivals to earn points for their team. Elite players from both continents are in the right to represent their team through a qualification process, which ensures that the best players from North America and Europe will face each other in July. Uh, Team United States has been victorious in all previous President's Cups since the inception of the event in 2006, but the battle for the President's Cup has become tighter year by year. So I think this is the 10th year that this is going on. So uh, USA has a 9-0 to lead over them. So two nine-hole rounds looks like it's singles. And I think I think everyone gets seeded as in like the number one player plays against their number one player and the number two, the number two on and on and on and on. And then just rewarding points for your teams, which is pretty awesome. I don't know if it switches up. So three point three, it says phase one is individual best shot and holes one through three, nine through 11 and 16 through 18. Uh, I think that comes out to nine holes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> math uh, and then phase two is match play between numbered players on those same holes the nine hole layout so in total they play 18 holes 
um, unless uh, the match play is decided before then. Um, and so what that's saying is the match play is between numbered players. I yep. assume, as you're saying, yep. they get ranked. So number one on each team faces each other. Um, and then the point system is individual best shot points is 28. And then match play is 24. And the team who collects the most points is the winner. So a total of 52 points are available and 26 and a half, which is just over half. Uh, that would be the majority are required to win the president's cup. Okay. And so then for the individual best shot, the lowest score receives four points, the second, two points, the third, one point, the fourth lows, zero points. Ty split the points in question. Um, whenever a match play three points, tie in a match is one and a half points per team. In case of a tie between teams, after all holes are played, one player sudden death playoff holes on 16, 17, 18 team captains will nominate the sudden death players uh do, 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 do. yeah pretty awesome i'm super stoked for it i think this is a really really cool tradition that they've had gone for years and years um yeah and so i, I'm I hope this is it. getting you know like Two. production like produced i, I want to i want to watch this you know so yeah I, I i haven't done my research into what's available or not the disc golf network is they're over in Europe. They just did the silver series. They're doing the European open. They do have bonus content available, which sounded like it wasn't a subscribers. It was extra. Um, mm -hmm. I would assume that's either, you know, post-production of some sort or kind of extra things, or it's the president's cup. So we'll find out more about that. Um, but it might be bonus content, but I think it's worth it. This is going to be sweet. I'm super excited to see it. Yeah. Uh, one of the players years ago who was making a great push at this tournament, Greg Barsby. Evan, you said earlier you had some cool oh stats on Greg goodness. Barsby. Can yeah, we bring those bring up back. really quick? We we have some European stats about Greg Barsby. Sula Open winner, very relevant. Yeah, so Barsby has been a uh, longtime traveler to Europe, kind of going uh, seemingly every year he can, or at least every year the European Open's happening. So he's played 16 total events in Europe, uh, spanning six countries. He just picked up his fourth win at sula that's 25 percent of events he has played in europe he's won uh hasn't won the european open yet um hasn't won a major in europe yet but still 25 percent of the events he wins in europe is pretty incredible he has uh nine podiums though over half the events he's played in europe he's podium and he's cashed at every single one mm -hmm. if you guys have a dark horse pick this week I'm saying barsby he won the silver so maybe it's not as much as a dark horse pick he's on a lot more people's radar I said I wasn't going to spoil anything for past European Opens, but Barsby was looking good in one of them. Uh, yep. So, my exactly. dark horse is Nate Perkins. <laughs> all right, thanks. <laughs> that's it. That's Thank all you. I have to say. Thank you. Ben, all right, for well, that. Hey, Nick, if we're all if we're all good with European Open, I say let's bring it into Stat or Fiction. Let's do it. All right. Stat or Fiction, presented by Stat Mando. All right. So I, I said if we're all done with the European Open, that's kind of funny because our first set of fiction will probably be European Open based. And not even the first. I'm going to go with <laughs> yeah. all of them, or at least nice. Europe major based, uh, as with this first one. So the first stat or fiction is Paige Pierce and Katrina Allen have each won exactly four majors in the continent of Europe, and that is standard stroke play only. As in, I think in the past, President's Cup has been labeled a major, which they would both be on the same team if they played. So it's just standard stroke play singles. Um, so they both won four. So I'm saying they both have won exactly four. 
All right. I, uh, we only got two on the uh, Statter Fiction today, yeah. but let's start with Nick. All right. That's usually how it goes anyways. I'm going to go Stat. Stat. All right, Ben. I'm trying to get, get a read off you. I get to have an advantage. Well, remember what the formula is. Apparently, everyone knows stat, it but stat, me. Stat, stat, well, yeah. Did we end on stat last time? Because if we did, then it's a <laughs> oh fiction today. Uh, I'll probably go with stat as well. It makes sense to my, my brain. All right. This is a stat. They Ooh. both have exactly four. Uh, Katrina Allen has won European Open twice. Paige Pierce has won European Open twice, and they both have two other majors in Europe. Uh, Katrina Allen has the Scandinavian Open in 2015 and the European Masters in 2014. Then she won European Open in 2015 and 17. Paige Pierce has won the Stockholm Disc Golf Open, which was a major in Sweden, in 2012. She won the Copenhagen Open, which is in Denmark, in 2013. That same year, she won the European Open. And in 2019, she also won the European Open. If you guys are ever looking for some fun disc golf coverage to watch from way back in the day, watch the 2013 Copenhagen Open. Uh, super fun battle between Paul Macbeth and Devin Owens. And just really, really fun disc golf to watch. And the course is so unique compared to a lot of courses that we see here in the U.S. And so being able to just watch that coverage is really fun. Absolutely. Uh, you should watch all the European coverage you can leading up to this event. It'll get yeah. you hyped uh stat or fiction number two val jenkins only has two european open wins but has the most podiums at the european open with seven across both divisions uh me um seems about right i'm gonna have to go <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to go with stat <laughs> all right Hmm. Repeat it one more time. <laughs> Val Jenkins only has two European Open wins, but has the most podiums at the European Open all time with seven from either pro division. I didn't say pro the first time, but I think that was implied. Yeah, I, I know what you meant. MPR, FPO. Between all. Um, wow, that's tough. Because like that could number could be six, or she's only one at one time. I'll go fiction. Oof. Ooh. We'll kind of split it up now. Someone's going to take a lead. Is stat. Yes. All right. So Valerie Jenkins won uh, the European Open in back-to-back years in 2009 and 2011. And she does have seven total podiums, um, which I don't actually have the exact years. I just spit out seven. Um, But that is the (laughs) most. (laughs) Nice. Nice. All right. And um oh, i just need to get this page open uh so we mentioned mick beast at the beast um and i actually had the number wrong earlier he's won european open five total times uh but four of them have been a major uh one of those was the eight tier. i think i said six and five before but gotcha um paul Macbeth has won the european open five do i have that number why am i second guessing that now you and these Paul McVest stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're always it, messing dude, up. It gets me. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Ever from, since Paul called them out. Yeah. It's ever since? Like, which time? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so Paul McBeth has won the European Open the last five times it has happened. Uh, that includes one year as an eight tier as the Disc Golf World Tour. Um, he has played it six times. 
that first time he played, he finished in 18th place. That's that's the Satter Fiction is the first time Paul Macbeth played the European Open. He finished in 18th place. Oh, and I got to start. I mean, should I should I start because no. I, I, okay. Fiction. Fiction. All right, well, if I was You can play it cheap. Safe for the that's win. what I was saying. At least just yeah. say fiction. But hey, Ben, you're not in Statter Fiction often. Like, do you want to get your Statter Fiction correct percentage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you got to think about. I I was going to say. I mean, you uh, chat he never goes stat 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 if we're thinking that way. I also don't want to be that guy, so I'm going to say stat. All right. In 2011, Paul Macbeth finished 18th at the European Open. That is a stat. He did it. He went stat, stat, stat. I went stat, 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 apparently. I intentionally did it that way. Let's go. But yeah, I mean, that was 2011. That was before he mm-hmm. ever won a pro major. The reason uh, I think he went, I, I thought it was stat, was because that you, you wouldn't go figure, that'd be too cheap. Like, no, he came in 17. Like, <laughs> you wouldn't do that. Well, what if he finished like fifth, you know? Uh, oh, I don't know. But I don't know. I, I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, obviously it's 2011. He's still just a, was he a teenager at that point? I, I don't know his exact birth year. He's but 33. He just turned 33. in his 20s. Okay. Either way, he was pretty young. Uh, Kind of, I would say, newer, uh, still kind of growing his game on the pro side. Um, yeah. Obviously a fantastic player by then if he's finishing 18th at the European Open. Mm-hmm. Um, but for going first, 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 is that five times? <laughs> winning this event the last five times to the only other time he's played to finishing 18th. I think that's kind of unique uh, just as a stat. doesn't really tell you much, um, but it is pretty interesting. You're an interesting man. So congratulations, Ben. Sweeping stat or fiction. Thanks. Picking up the dub two weeks in a row. I know. With a maybe asterisk. Uh, no, no, no. Did I, you check back and then watch the replay? Or the chat did, and yeah, it was yeah. legit. Nick, I have no idea why I was so, like, brain dead. <laughs> You're so adamant that I got the point. I'm like, nope, I didn't, but all right. It was just tough. Everything that was going on screen and then trying to pay attention. Yeah. Matt has a tough drop. That's why he brought me in. That's why intern Ben is alive in here. Exactly. Whoop. All right. Sweet. Well, great job to Ben. Let's see. I'm a champion. Uh, guys, I think we kind of ran through everything a little bit tonight where this is, you know, kind of funny because it's 20 minutes shorter than what we normally do. But I think we kind of ran through everything that we wanted to tonight. This has been a little bit more of a low key episode. Um, definitely having Aaron jump in uh, last minute was super awesome on his part. We really appreciate him coming in. Uh, the chat was popping off tonight. We really, really appreciate it. If you don't follow us on Twitter, uh, it's the, at the Nick and Matt show one. Um, I do post every single week and just kind of like, Hey, what do you guys want to talk about or who's going to be on the show? And so I'd love to get more feedback. Just what do you guys want to hear? Um, I think with right now, we're about to hit an incredibly busy season of disc golf. We got a major coming up with the European open. Then we've got some elite series coming up. We've got playoff events happening in a month and a half. We've got the world championships happening in a month and a half. Um, so playoffs in about two months, whatever. Um, still so much, so much disc golf to be played. So many new winners to be crowned, I think. Um, ultimately, we could potentially see a new major winner this week. I think that's a big happen. thing. You know, I'm going to say uh, no. All right. So, so, say no. All right. We're doing, it for, hey, we're doing my... it for the Kona Emperor. That's the thing we'll do. All right. Yeah, yeah. sure. I'll, I'll give you a hundred bucks, too. But uh, let's go. I'm go. just kidding. I can't, I can't do that. 
uh we're hoping next week when uh i think matt is supposed to be back next week we would love to get uh we yes. really want to have tanner and hunter on the show we finally kind of bring them into the spotlight of disc golf and the nick and matt show i think that'd be really really fun uh hearing from them they are not around right now he is still out on vacation slash potentially some work i'm not really sure it could just be a long vacation for him but anyways matt is still out should be back next week um we're gonna line up some guests i mean travel is gonna be pretty tough for these people uh coming back next week and so we'll kind of play by ear on everyone's travel schedules but i know we've got own scoggins kind of we've been messaging back and forth with her we're gonna get an interview set up with her as soon as possible um, and we've got some really, really cool stuff to kind of unveil and just keep rolling with the show. And so we appreciate all the love and support that everyone's been giving us over the fe- pla- excuse me, the past few years. And for the regulars coming in every single Monday night and listening to the show live, it's just been so, so awesome uh, being able to be a part of this. Having Ben and Evan come onto the show, Stat Mando and intern Ben, just really being able to kind of pump up what makes the show really really fun and makes it worthwhile doing every single week we obviously got to thank our sponsors for helping us out i know some people it's funny um i got a tweet earlier saying you know disc golf topics are great but listening to uh shaving commercials and grip enhancers and double g craft jerky stuff like that is not and i'm like look we talk about our ads for maybe a minute to a minute and a half the other two or excuse me hour and 58 minutes we get to talk about disc golf and have a good time some really fun interviews um so sorry if you're listening to it post-produced there's a great button it's that 15 second skip yeah. button you can <laughs> you can use that and or skip right over it and listen to you all know. for those who support us hey we we talk yeah. about cash per throw sometimes why not mm-hmm. do like ad minute per minute of the show because i bet you it's pretty low exactly um, and at least someone we did were ask not in the chat, about our balls. A- so, no. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, someone did ask in the chat. I will be at Deglo. Um, I've actually got a super awesome, busy end of the year coming up. Kind of like what feels like the end of the year because it's going into it. But um, I'll be at Deglo. I'll be at Ledgestone. I'll be at the Capital Discs Open, a big B tier out in New York. I'll be at the World Championships out in Emporia, Kansas. Um, I will more than likely i can't imagine that i actually would be playing gmc and maple hill but i will be there spectating and hanging out because those are two of my favorite events every single year and my family lives right near maple hill so any chance i get to go back and visit with my family is such an incredible time and uh also got a ton of really fun stuff we didn't do a discure discussion tonight but i did want to let you all know that we've got some new awesome color combinations coming out on discuredg.com also this is just the hat for it but if you look at that stamp that is going to be on 100 discs that will be dropping on the website hopefully tomorrow is kind of the goal we're going to launch it with our v2 colors all the new color combinations that we are doing and we're going to run an awesome discount you buy a shirt you buy a disc you get a discount off of things it's going to be super awesome so if you want to check it out there go for it but that is it for tonight i would say but um let's see thank you once again everyone just tuning in tonight it's been super awesome this has been a really really fun time to do this uh i can't wait to have matt back too kind of asking his own questions and yapping away as some of you guys will say <laughs> in the comments so we'll see if we can get matt kind of back on the grind with it but uh super pumped to have him back evan and ben just been such incredible additions to the show really making things roll around ben being able to produce it to the point to where matt doesn't have to be here which i know saves matt a ton of trouble kind of like mentally and everything like that so it allows him to travel with kind of relative ease of like we don't have to miss a show now because of it so thank you to Evan and Ben 
for making the Nick Matt show very, very fun. Uh, thank you all again. Uh, don't forget to leave a like on the video. We'd love to pump that like number up. You know, let's get it above 60, 65. That'd be incredible. So hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe. Your name will come up as the latest subscriber if you do it and you are the latest subscriber. So shout out to whoever was. It's taking forever to scroll. I'm going to try to keep talking until I see the name. Chimes. It is looking like <laughs> oh my goodness Ch chain seeker <laughs> shout out to chain seeker as our latest subscriber we really appreciate it um don't forget we're on all of your favorite podcast platforms tell your friends about it anyone who wants to listen to some fun disc golf comments uh disc golf talk and everything like that tell them to check out the nick and matt show shoot us a dm if you ever have a subject that you're thinking about and you really really want to hear it on the show if it's something that we want to get into we would love to get into it tell someone you love them this week we'll catch you in the next one uh, Nick, you're awesome. Ben, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Peace. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.